Good morning and welcome from me. I am coming to you live from the Cosmos Center. It's just a, a space where a small team of us can get together and uh, there's plenty of space for us to move around, but it's a little bit um, less pokey than somebody's living room. I am here to uh, preach uh, the next installment of our series in First Peter which has been uh, absolutely fantastic so far, but we have had a couple of tricky subjects. Today, my subject is the end of the world. So I'm really delighted to be able to bring that to you. But for now, uh, let's go straight into the scripture and Anna is going to read that for us. Today, we'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Anna. So like I said, what I'm doing today is speaking about the end of the world. So I'm going to be looking at some of the things the Bible says, but in order to do that, I need to start with some of the things that the Bible doesn't say about the end of the world. And to help give us a bit of a head start on that, I have rewritten today's passage uh, to better reflect not what it actually says, but how people seem to have interpreted it, uh, understood it, and indeed practiced it over many an age of the church. And my friend uh, and your friend, Alistair, has kindly agreed to read this new version to us. So over to you, Al. Hello, friends. Right, I've got something to say. This doesn't fit very well. (laughs) This is why we leave the creativity to KV Kids. Right. um, The end of the world is nigh. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your tweets and Facebook posts. Most important of all, continue to sow deep fear and resentment among one another. For fear covers a multitude of hopes. Miserably shout damnation upon those who actually just need a hug and a good listening to. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them like a weapon to beat and wound one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as loudly as you can, as though you were judge and jury over all mankind. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then help them to fear, not only death, but even life itself. Then you will bring great glory to yourself. All glory and power to you forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Alistair, for being willing to humiliate yourself in such... Uh, aplomb. Um, Today's subject is one that has inspired many works of art, many works of literature and film. It's a subject that has shaped much of what those who are not part of the church think about the beliefs and behaviours 
of those who are part of it. And as for us, we've simply allowed ourselves to be uh, to, to so calamitously misunderstand what the Bible says about the end and why it says anything at all that we've not done much good in actually countering those images that more closely resemble that reading uh, of Scripture, that parody reading, than of Scripture itself. So we're then perplexed uh, that people think of us in that way, all the while doing very little to actually remedy our own lack of understanding. So that's the job I've taken upon myself today. And actually, it's not that huge a task. So if you'll bear with me, I think we'll all come away uh, from this morning with a theology that is much less likely to make a blockbuster movie, uh, but it's much more in line with what God actually has to say. Before getting into any detail, I need to address just a couple of things. First of all, the difference between what we call end times and what Peter is talking about here, which is the end of the world or the end of all things. It's a fine distinction, but it's an important one. First of all, what we refer to as end times is the period of time leading up to the end of the world. Uh, this time last, last year in the best sermon I've ever heard preached on the kingdom of God, our very own Morag explained that as far as the New Testament is concerned, the end times began with Jesus. So if you or someone you know is inclined to interpret weather reports or election results as signs of the end times, then in a very limited way, you're absolutely right. But it's no more a sign than, for example, the building of Hadrian's Wall, which happened in the second century. So what I guess I'm trying to say is that Jesus himself inaugurated the age which the New Testament writers refer to as the end times. So we've been there a long time. But of course, the way time works, we're getting closer to the end, and there will be an end to the end times. And that's what Peter's referring to here. So before I just go on, I just want to say one more thing about the end. The end isn't actually the end. There is a new beginning at the end, and it's going to be beautiful. And I don't have time to unpack that uh, this morning, but if you want a little glimpse into what that's going to look like, then just take a look at the final chapters of the Bible, the, the last couple of chapters of Revelation, and it will floor you. So I've got four points to make. The first two are things that the Bible does not say about the end of the world. And then I've got two points about what the Bible does say about the end of the world. Thing one, it doesn't say. It does not say when the end of the world will take place. It is not there. It's not even in code. It's not explicit and it's not hidden. It's not there. You won't find it. There are two important things for us to take away from this fact. First, be completely and utterly certain that anyone who claims to know when the end is going to happen is a fraud and a liar. Second thing, do not waste even a second of your time speculating about when it's going to happen. Why? Because Jesus told us that such information is absolutely none of our business. Take, for example, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. He, uh, Jesus has been speaking about the end and he says, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in, heavens, in heaven or the Son himself, only 
the fathers know. Jesus is saying, guys, even I don't know. And the father tells me everything. This one, he is keeping really close to his chest. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, just before the ascension of Jesus into heaven, the disciples are asking Jesus again, is this the end? Is the end coming? And Jesus says, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Seriously, guys, this is none of our business. Keep your nose well and truly out of it. And they're asking him just as he's about to ascend to heaven. I imagine Jesus is like, um, have you ever uh, run out the door and then remembered to shout something back to, to the kids or whoever's left inside and you yell something like, right, I'm off, but don't try and crank open my desk drawer because the end times calendar is not in there, guys. It's like trying to hide Christmas presents from the kids while you're out. So the Bible doesn't say when the end of the world is going to take place. We're told that the world will end, but we're not told when. That's the first thing. Thing two that the Bible doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say how it's going to take place. The apostles thought it was going to happen really soon, and because it didn't, Christians over history have creatively interpreted their, current, their own current events as indicating the manner in which the world is going to end. If it wasn't as equally upsetting as it is hilarious, I could quote you things that people I know have said about 5G mobile networks, about the coronavirus, and about its anticipated vaccine, as though these were certain indications of the impending end of the world. And not so long ago, it was all barcodes and biometric identity cards. And I'm sure not long before that, people were saying that the telephone or the horseless carriage was a sign of the end. Now, these things are really, really silly, and such arguments are not going to cause too much bother. But it's not all so benign. Take politics, for example. There are many who believe that the Bible tells us that the modern-day nation of Israel must be restored to the glory of Solomon's era before the end-time clock can really begin to count down. And that is precisely why the recent redesignation of Israel's capital city was so popular among certain quarters. And in a great deal of foreign policies, a concern for that region has absolutely nothing to do with establishing peace and has absolutely everything to do with an erroneous theology concerning the end of days and an utterly wayward understanding that we are somehow responsible for creating the circumstances that will bring about the end of the world. And it's precisely the same reasons that are behind a lot of notions concerning the environment. So not only is there carelessness in our treatment of God's creation, there is willful and purposeful destruction of it, and that has a theology lurking behind it. The thinking is that since the earth is going to pass away anyway, we might as well help to dismantle it so that it's ready to go when Jesus turns up. Now, I find not one scrap of evidence in scripture to support that idea. As far as I'm concerned, old orders are good orders, and he has ordered us to take care of creation and all that is in it. 
So our erroneous theology has led to devastating effects upon the habitats of both people and animals to the point where it's no longer the church ringing the bell of doom, but it's David Attenborough telling us that the end is nigh. So I want to tell you, I want you to know, dear friends, that whether these beliefs and behaviors are intentional or unintentional, either way, they are harmful and have no basis in the Bible. They need to be rooted out and replaced with what the scriptures actually say. If you have ever been under the impression that the Bible encourages speculation on when and how the world will end, and if you've been under the impression that our politics and our economics should contribute to the end of the world, I encourage you emphatically and in no small measure, stop it. So, those are two things that the Bible doesn't say. What does it say? I can get through these two things really, really quickly. First of all, we know that the world will end. And second, we know that it is God himself who will end it in his own way, in his own time, which we are not entitled to know about. And that's it. So before I move on to Peter's main point, let me just summarize what we do know and what we don't know about the end of the world. We know what will happen, but we don't know when. We don't know how it will happen, but we do know who will do it. So why does the Bible say anything about the end of the world? And why is Peter concerned with it here? In one of my commentaries on Revelation, and I do have many, um, there's a simple phrase that has always stuck with me. It's by a, a, a biblical scholar called Grant Osborne. He said this, In the New Testament, eschatology always leads to ethics. Let me say that again before I explain what it means. Eschatology always leads to ethics. This is just a scholarly shorthand for saying this. When the Bible has any concern for end times, it is always and only there to help us understand and know how we are to respond now. It's not there for us to mark our bingo card of calamitous events in order to improve our calculations for when Jesus is going to return. It's precisely that kind of response that leads to that uh, corrupted reading that I asked Alistair to, to do earlier. Instead, we're told that there will be an end to time so that we may, we may respond in a particular way. And it's not in the destructive ways that I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to end now just by going back to this scripture and to what Peter says our response should be. And it really is clear and unambiguous. Verse 7, he tells us, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, that's a really big therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Verse 8 most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, 
cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So in case Peter wasn't clear, here are four responses to the impending end of the world. One, faithful devotion to God. We are to be constant and deliberate in devoting our lives to him. Number two, a deep love for one another. We are to make sacrifices for one another, forgiving all offenses done to us and not counting any wrongs. Third, a radical hospitality. We are to give to those in need with cheerfulness and without grumbling. And number four, humble service. We are to take the gifts that God has given us and we're to use them in service of one another. And that's it. Let's pray. Father, this strange, strange year has us all wondering, is this it? Is this the beginning of the end? Forgive us, Lord, for setting our eyes on the wrong things. Help us to trust you in all things. Give us the grace and the strength we need to do what we must to devote ourselves to you, to love and to forgive one another, to extend our resources to those in need and to serve one another with the gifts that you have so generously given to us. Amen.